Welcome to the Rancho Cordova podcast. My name is Charles Lego, and I'm your host. On today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome someone that I've wanted to interview on this show since we started the podcast. I refer to Kurt Haven as the founding father of the city of Rancho Cordova. I had the truck full of rocks and I'm busy landscaping in my front yard. And that afternoon I looked out front of my house and while I'm working and there was a gentleman standing there with a clipboard. And I go, hey, how you doing? My name's Kurt. And he goes, what's your name? And he told me his name. I go, so what are you doing? He goes, well, I represent the HOA and here's your ticket or here's your citation or here's your issue. I'm going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What is this about? And he says, well, you can't put your camper shell on the driveway. And I just put it there. And obviously, I was going to replace it because right. I was working. So I went, who are you? He says, I'm the president of the Mills Ranch HOA. I says, okay, well, not for long. Yeah. And so that next month, I joined as a board member and um, I worked my way up to president rather quickly. <laughs> and if you haven't been involved in an HOA, it's a great training ground for community development. It's a very good training ground. And Kurt was instrumental, along with others, of course, in shaping and developing the city of Rancho Cordova to be in the success that it is today. I know he's not going to agree with me, but that's because he's a very humble person. So Kurt Haven, I'm delighted to have you on the show. Hi Charles, thank you and I'm really excited to be here. Sorry it took so long. It's okay, now you're here. So Kurt, I recently read a quote that went something like this. If you seek to understand the heart of Rancho Cordova, look no further than Kurt Haven. For 25 years, and I think it's 30 years, but for 25, 30 years, Kurt has been where it beats. So let's start off and get to know Kurt Haven. So tell our listeners, where were you born? Tell us about your parents. Where did you grow up in your early years? Sure, thank you. Um, appreciate that comment. Um, so I'm a Sacramento native, born in Sacramento, actually Carmichael, California. Oh, you were? So I'm you're like, from here? I'm from here, okay. from California. And um, my father um, graduated from UC Davis in veterinary medicine after a tour in Korea. And my mother and him met in, in high school at San Juan High School. So she's from Sacramento. So the whole family's from Sacramento. Okay. Originally, they came from Oklahoma. Um, my father was here with his parents. So there's about uh, 30 of us in Sacramento still. And so the Haven family has a lot of roots in Sacramento. So um, my father worked for Union Oil. Um, I think it's interesting. A lot of people go to college for a career, and then they change careers. I think I, me being born might have something to do with that, but he needed a job, so he went to work for Union Oil after coming out of the Korean War. And um, he's a very industrious, very hardworking man, and he was offered a, an opportunity to build a gas station, a 76 Union gas station in El Dorado Hills, which at that time had 10 homes. And Highway 50 was a two-lane freeway. Wow. So and I was one year old. So I'm 66 now. So that was 65 years ago. So it was an opportunity for him to homestead <clears throat> a new business in a new area. And so when I was one year old, we moved from Carmichael to Eldorado Hills uh, in the 10th house built. And it was a very small area. Uh, lots of country, lots of cows, lots of fun hiking activity. Um, and there was a gas station, a small market, and a golf course. Wow. So that's how and I grew it's up. very built up, right? El Dorado. gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> and he owned a gas station. He owned the 76 gas station, wow. which is still there right next to the freeway, Highway 50. And um, he owned a lot of acreage around there, which is all part of the story of 
um, developing Eldorado Hills, being community-minded. He also started the first um, Chamber of Commerce of Eldorado Hills and was involved um, in a lot of political um, activities in Eldorado County, sat on the grand jury. Um, so he, as a family, we homesteaded that area. Okay. So did you go to high school? Where did you go to high school? So at that time, there was one school in Eldorado Hills, and it was a K through 6, and everyone went to one building. We had little partitions in the middle. It was called uh, Park Village Elementary, which is now called Brooks Elementary. Um, and I'm the oldest of three children, and my brother and sister both went there. And just a quick side note, my sister um, got a degree in um, schools, whatever that's called. Anyways, and became back to Brooks as a principal. Wow. <laughs> so my she family's got a involved. in teaching. In teaching, yeah. thank you. And she okay. became an in administration. She, became, she went back as the principal? And she went back as the principal. At your school? At my school, wow. and there were two teachers that taught us. And so that was kind of unique, a uh, little side story. And then... Um, there was no high school in, in Eldorado Hills. Um, the high school was actually in Shingle Springs called Ponderosa. <clears throat> and everyone in Eldorado County except for Placerville, Placerville had a high school, went to Ponderosa High School. So I went to school with kids who grew up in Eldorado Hills whose fathers and mothers probably were aerospace engineers when Aerojet was really active, um, whose fathers and mothers, you know, had really good jobs with kids who lived in Shingle Springs or in Georgetown who lived off the land. And it was a really unique way to grow up because the whole world went to this high school. Wow. It wasn't very diverse, no. but economically the whole world went to this high wow. school. So it was... Uh, Were you a good student? Did you like high school? Were you um, a good boy? Well, I was um, always the nice guy. So I was friends with everybody. Um, and I, I, I talked to the, the, the kids, we called them goat ropers, not very affectionate then, but um, these were the kids who were the cowboys and the ones that actually wore cowboy hats to school. And some of them rode horses to school, wow. Charles. They did? I was friends with everybody. <clears throat> I, wild West. It was a Wild West. Um, and then a lot of us drove. Um, so I didn't ride a horse. <laughs> Wait a minute. So they rode a horse to school. What did they do with the horse? Oh, Tied was, up? We actually had a barn there. Wow. And there was classes in 4-H. And so... Um, you know, I lived in Alberta Hills. We didn't have enough property, but for a project, I did co-sponsor some sheep at a friend of mine's house in Counter Park on five acres. So we were involved in a lot of agriculture. So um, it was a great place to grow up. So school-wise, you know, I didn't really try very hard, and I got B's and A's. Yeah. Um, but I became more of um, I played football, I played basketball. Um, I was um, president of the student association a couple times. And was just involved in um, making sure that those, those students that were there got a good education, right. that we got, you know, okay, we then, were heard. Then did college come along? So college was um, something that was really important to my parents. My father uh, was the first of his family to go to college, and he actually paid his way to Valparaiso in Indiana. This is during tough times. Right. This is not, not an affluent family. Right. And so college to him was really important. So that's one thing I really kind of regret. I did not finish college. Um, I went to local schools and um, kind of quickly, because I had a really strong business background with my father as an entrepreneur, um, just got interested in going business. out and making money yeah. in business. So well, there's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> I was bored at college, yeah. to be honest with you. And I mean, some would say that's probably the better way. You know, this, the school of... Uh, of hard knocks and, you know, boots on the ground, uh, that's where you learn. Right. 
So what was your uh, first job? Well, besides working for my father for, I was 15 when I started, and I think I stopped about when I was 20. So you worked uh, at the gas station? I worked, I met, worked at the gas station. Yeah. I managed the gas station. So in those days, <coughs> it was at one you pulled up and they filled up for you? Yes, sir. Yeah, one of those? All full service, yeah. um, very heavily full service. And you fixed cars as we, well? We checked the oil. We washed your windshield. We put air in your tires. Wow. Um, so you got to remember this gas station was between... Sacramento and Lake Tahoe, and there really wasn't much between there. So um, we saw the world, and that's wow. what was exciting to me, Charles. Is even though I grew up in an area that was predominantly everyone looked like me, um, through the gas station, all the whole world came yeah, through yeah. there. So we saw and lots. Did you of, have to dress in uniforms? And, yeah, we had uniforms. Yeah. They wow. had the whole thing, and Flip Wilson would come in on Fridays. I met John Wayne. I met Dillis Diller. A lot of. Um, you know, the actors and the, and the comedians that were playing at Tahoe. So you never knew who was coming. You never right? knew the who was coming. The car would pull up. You'd go fill up, and John Wayne's sitting right there. Oh, that was a little different story, but yeah, yeah he, he was in a limo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the limo broke right. down, so we got to repair his car. Right. And he was do actually shooting a commercial up in what's called yeah. Coloma. Okay. So it was, I mean, I would not trade that for anything. That was a great experience, a super great experience, and you learn how to interact with people. Um, you got to remember those are the days there wasn't an ATM, there weren't banks around. So Friday night, people were real excited to get to Tahoe. Sunday night coming back, a lot of them didn't have enough money to buy gas to go home. So I get to trade and barter with them or we just give them five gallons to get to keep them going. So it was a, a really great opportunity. Different days, yeah. different times. Different times, way yeah. different times. I mean, Hells Angels came in, motorcycle groups. Everyone was super friendly and nice. Yeah. And I developed a lot of friends. Yeah doing that business. So you worked there till you were 20-ish? So I was about 20, and then um, um, <laughs> a gentleman used to come in about 3 o'clock and fill up his Cadillac, and um, I just kept asking myself, why does this man get off at 3 o'clock? You know, what kind of lifestyle is he 3 o'clock in the morning? 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, in the afternoon. And he had golf clubs in his car all the time. I go, how do I get a job like this guy? I mean, what do you do? And I started talking to him, and <clears throat> he was in sales, and he he represented manufacturers of auto parts. And um, I really liked this man, and I learned a lot from him. But I wanted to be, have an independent lifestyle, and even though I worked for my father, I you know had to keep hours. But I wanted to be able to you know have my own hours, and ten-hour workday was fine. Twelve-hour 12, I mean, 12 workday was fine. It's just I wanted to choose what I did, so I. I, I met him, and he owned a warehouse, auto parts warehouse, which was a big co-op of auto parts owners, and he asked me to come to work for him. So my next job was in sales with a uh, auto parts company called NorCal Distributors that was on Aerojet property. So it was a local group. And, and then from that, I learned sales and marketing. Aerojet property here? Yes, sir. In Rancho? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, um, and you did that for a while? Did that for, well, I did that for quite a bit. So I um, met my wife, Marjorie, and she lived in Rancho Cordova. Yeah. And after a period of time, we lived together. And yeah. um, that's what got me to Rancho Cordova. Was, there's usually a woman involved in my story somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have high respect for women. I just appreciate them right. 100%. Yeah. And there's usually, usually my successes are built around women. So yeah. she was the reason. Well, they I, say behind every good man, there's, or behind every successful man, there's a, a woman, right? Well, I, I say behind every success one, there's a better woman. Yeah, so yeah. Women are awesome. So she's the reason I stayed in Rancho Cordova. And so for about uh, 
20 years I worked in the auto parts industry and I worked my way up into like national sales okay. where I traveled quite a bit Right. and uh, as our family grew. So that, bring, that brings you up to like 40 years old, roughly. Exactly yeah. right. So you've lived in Rancho Cordova for 40 years. Yes, sir. And you've been act- you, you have been active in that time as president of the Mills Ranch Homeowners Association. Well, you've done some good homework. Yeah, you were elected member of the Cordova Recreation and Park District Board of Directors. Sounds very grand, whatever that is. (laughs) And then you joined the Rancho Cordova Chamber of Commerce in 1995. Very good. So did you you develop the Rancho Chamber of Commerce or it was already there? No, the chamber is over 60 years old. That's right. They're having their 60th anniversary this year, right? Uh, No, but um, we lived in Mills Ranch off of Coloma Road and it was about say 60 homes with the homeowners association and we knew that going in and i i like hoas um, and this is a real quick story how i got involved in the community and um, we were young and strong and so we wanted to fix up our yards and i had a truck with a camper shell i took the camper shell off put it on my driveway place it right because i was working so i went who are you he says i'm the president of the mills ranch hoa i says okay well not for long yeah and so that next month, I joined as a board member and um, I worked my way up to present rather quickly. <laughs> and if you haven't been involved in an HOA, it's a great training ground for community development. It's a very good training ground. And, you know, this was a pretty positive HOA. Um, and it was a big uh it was like home area. Like no, it was like be, eighty homes, 80? zero yeah. lot lines. So yeah, yeah. The, it was loose. It was a, what I call a loose HOA. So okay. the CCNRs um, were very, very loose in general. It's not like Gold River right. or some of the other HOAs. It's, it was more general. But out of that, you know, I learned how to interact with my neighbors. Right. Um, the whole world again lived there too. We had everybody from just about every country living there. And then out of that, um, one of my neighbors, his name was Don Nielsen, he was the CEO of the Ranch Cordova Chamber. Okay. And he was a retired uh, Air Force colonel, I think. And um, he was getting ready to retire from the chamber. And uh, I had already left my business and I had some time. I had some money put aside just to be curt for a while and not work and put some money aside. And um, Mr. Nielsen said he was ready to retire. So I kind of shadowed him for about a year to learn what the Ranch Cordova Chamber was. But was he was. the head? He was the CEO. The, the CEO, yeah. yeah. Okay. And it was an old chamber has been around for a long time, um, local board members. Um, but the word cityhood kept coming up. And Don Nielsen was not in favor of cityhood. So the, they really didn't weren't talking about cityhood back then. And where then. were they located? They were located to today. Um, off of um, Matherfield Road. Okay. Back in there. So in our city limits today. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And at that time, you know, this was unincorporated Sacramento, so there was no city. Right. Um, we were still represented by our good friend Don Natelli. Don Natoli, and um, Don did a great jo- does did a great job. Um, but the chamber was kind of seen as the local government. So when the county would reach out to Rancho Cordova on law enforcement issues or zoning issues, whatever, they would come to the chamber. So it was already kind of like here, if okay. you want to get feedback from the community, go to the chamber. Okay. Community council was also going in, the Cordova Community Council. Uh, same thing there. They were an So outreach. it made the CEO a powerful person then. Yeah. Almost like the like the pseudo mayor. Almost, he could have right? been, but he chose to be quiet. I mean, yeah. he wasn't he wasn't a big, you know, out front leader. Right. 
Um, you remember he was retired military, so he yeah, yeah. he was waiting for someone to take his place. So right. I shadowed him for about a year, and then I took over the chamber as the uh, executive director. Okay. And um, and that was in 1995. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, um, okay. So what was Rancho back like? like back in those days it was actually um much different did it have like a border like it does today they had a you know city limit kind of thing so um under the county's government you can have sphere of influences and there was a cordova community sphere of influence and basically it was a map that just showed this is what the planning area of the cordova planning area um, there was a group called the Planning Advisory Committee called CORPAC, uh-huh. and that's where David Sander was. That's where I first met David Sander. Right. He was on CORPAC. Right. And they would, again, that was a community group. Um, our, one of our first council members, Dan Skoglin, was on CORPAC, and that was where that group reviewed plans as an advisory, planning advisory committee to the county. So, you know, it, it kind of looked like and, and felt like a city, but it wasn't, didn't have official boundaries, right. and it wasn't a city. Okay. And um, those days, of course, the airbase was here, and it was active, right, the airbase. So what was it like living in a city with a large military base? So Linda Butch told me um, that the B-52s would come in and out of Rancho. Is that right? Yeah. So as a military town, um, it was very exciting. Uh, At that time, though, Charles, the base was winding down. Right. And so but I you missed... must have seen the B Those are oh, not yeah. small planes, right? Oh sure. So you, they must have been fairly low over the city as they, they come were in massive here. and they were loud and yeah. uh, you paid attention when one went by. Right, right. Um, you know, we had one crash not too far out of Rancho Cordova, and so we all unfortunately got to see that too. But um, it was very, it was very exciting. Um, the the base added another level of respect, another level of how do you behave. Right. <laughs> to this area that we have lost, um, but um, the base, uh, you know, the bases around Ranch Cordova is huge. Yeah, it's very deep. Um, I kind of came at the end when the base was starting to close down right. and to change. So during the war, it was active. Very during active. World War Two. Yeah, yeah. My father, as as a youth, actually helped build the runway at Mayfair. Yeah. So that was wow. way years ago. And then, of course, the Air Force Base closed. <clears throat> And some would say that the city's marketplace then went into disarray, like it just started to. And you were with the Chamber of Commerce, obviously, mm-hmm. in those days. And you, Kurt Haven, decided you were going to take action. So you are well known for walking up and down Folsom Boulevard. <laughs> and you knocked on every door. You talked to almost every landowner, every business owner, even the big guys at Rayleigh's. And, sure. And you wanted to solve the issues of the city. So tell us what you did. How did you do that? Well, because you did. Yes. Um, well, the chamber had a couple of programs. As if you can imagine, when the military shut down, we lost, you know, thousands of military navigators who would come to Ranch Cordova for about two years and study and learn about navigation. So we lost those people and their families and their families. Yeah. And at the same time, Folsom, Elk Grove many areas were growing in housing. So the new areas of the region, specifically Folsom and Elk Grove, were building new homes. And they were building new homes that had master bedrooms, that had you know, the amenities that we see today. Um, Rancho's housing market, there wasn't anything new right. being built. So we lost people from the military, and we lost families who have a choice on where they want to live. Right. And a lot of them left. So 
um, we had to kind of rebuild our community. And at the same time, businesses were feeling the difference that a lot of the market that they were used to selling to had left this area. And so we had to pull together, and the chamber came up with a couple of programs. One was a, one was a facade program to add new signage, to refurbish your um, exterior. And, you know, the, the basic thing that businesses need when there's change, and we're seeing it today, is just communication. Yeah. You know, they need to know that someone's there for them. Right. And I, we as a chamber wanted to be that person that was there for them. So... There was a lot going on. Our business market was deteriorating. Our housing market was flat. Um, you know, and with the loss of the base, how do we regenerate the use of Mather and how do we regenerate Rancho Cordova? Right. And then one of another big important organization in those days, which is as old as the chamber, is Cordova Community Council, mm-hmm. and you worked very closely with that. So. How did they? How did you and Cordova Community Council work together in order to sort of spur business and the economy? And because they're mainly an events organization, right? Well, back then they were really. That's where all the service clubs. So our service clubs were much larger back then. Um, the Kiwanis, the Rotaries, you know, all the different service clubs. They would meet once a, a month and talk about all the. Um, activities that were going on and talk business and talk about the community. And that was the basis of the Cordova Community Council. It wasn't until after the cityhood that they became more of an events organization. And the, the main um, purpose of Cordova Community Council still is bringing people together right. and the service clubs and right. the, the sports and the schools, right. et cetera. But um, it wasn't until later that they became the events. So at that time, that was a good, when you went to the Cordova Community Council back then, that was a good organization to talk to about how can we bring more services to Ranch Cordova? How can we um, better our law enforcement? How can we better our public works? How can we better things? This is pre-cityhood. Right. How can we do a better job of bringing services to our residents? So the chamber had a business outreach, and the Cordova Community Council more or less had a, resi- a community outreach. So we worked together in tandem. And who was in charge in those days? Well, they had different presidents. Yeah. Um, Dan Sklogan was a president. David Sander oh, okay. was a president. Oh, okay. I never was a president, but right. they were. They had different presidents that okay. time. Yeah. And then in 1997, you and Bob McGarvey um, <laughs> began the efforts of incorporating Rancho Cordova into its own city. And you chaired the Incorporation Campaign Committee from 2001 to 2002. So how did that idea spark? Like, were you and Bob McGarvey one day having a beer <laughs> no. and say, hey, you know what? We need a city. So really, truly, I came when there was a group that's already organized. So Bob McGarvey, Linda Budge, others in the community. Bob McGarvey is the father of Zidiot. I'm the uncle. Yeah. Okay. Um, You're the founding uncle. I'm the founding uncle. Yeah. <laughs> and then Linda Garvey would be the founding mother. There you go. Linda Budge, right? Linda Budge, yeah. yeah. And so this group had existed at a time, but they just needed a shot. They right. just needed a bolt. They needed some support. And when I became uh, the executive of the chamber, our chamber board wanted to work with the city group that was already in in existence on incorporation. So when you bring organization, business, and some sponsorship money together with a community organization, that's what really made it foster. So for you know four or five years there was a citizen committee working on all the pieces of how do you build a city and so how who do you put was a on city. the committee 
that you know, anybody from today? There are many names, and I don't want to go through the names because no, I'll no, probably no. forget somebody. Right, right, right. But, but anybody uh, that today is active? Today is active? Well, um, like Linda Budge, David Sander? David wasn't really on the committee. No. He came a little bit after that. But there was um, well, our first mayor, Dave Roberts. Yeah. Uh, what a character he was. Right. And I wish he was still alive. You would love him. Yeah. Um, he was really the, the energizer bunny. <laughs> and that's a very good name for him. Um, of getting this done. He developed what's called the five-a-month club, and you would give five dollars a month, and David wrote a really good newsletter about how we are building the city and how we are working towards cityhood. You know, I, if I start saying names of who was on the committee, I would forget yeah, somebody, yeah, and I don't yeah. want to do no, that. No, I understand. But um, th- there are people today, um, Pedro Hernandez is, is still around, of course, McGarvey, um, George Hernandez was, yeah. was there. There's there's still people. But I don't want to do names off forget. No, no, there. that's fine. So there's a quote attributed <laughs> to you from those days, and this is the quote if you remember. So we were a committee of citizens. It was very grassroots effort. The community really got behind it, and the majority voted for cityhood. That's that true. Was your quote. So talk about that. Everybody. There must have been naysayers though. Well, it was really interesting, Charles. So as a committee, this is not during the campaign, but as a committee. We would go out to the community because it was very important to us that this is community-based. Um, grassroots efforts like this don't start from politicians right. and, be, and be successful. They right. start from community roots. And I wanted to make sure everybody was included. So we had meetings at all the local schools, and we just brought people in and said, hey, let's come talk about this. And, and what year would have this been? The late 90s. Late 90s? Yeah. And, you know, there was a group that would always stand in the back of the room, and I'd watch them. And we'd have different speakers. And we'd be, and at that time, we were fortunate Citrus Heights and Elk Grove had just completed their cityhood. So we'd bring in people from the other cities and ask them to come and speak about the benefits of cityhood. But you always look in the back and there would be naysayers. And typically these were the guys who and gals who were concerned about raising taxes, raising fees. You know, what's the city going to, how's the city going to get in my business kind of attitude. So that's what I was going to ask you. Now that we, now we fast forward and we see a very successful mm-hmm. city. What would the opposition have been? What, and obviously they didn't know, so I, I get mm-hmm. it. But what would the what would the opposing side? What was their beef? Their beef was um, it's just another layer of government, and their beef was is this going to cost me more money? And you know, to finish my story, these naysayers. By the time we talked about all the positive benefits of cityhood, they were in the front of the room. Right, you turned them, and they were saying, "Hey, Kurt, how can we how can right. we help?" And that's what's exciting about Rancho Cordova. Um, this is a community that supports its community. This right. is a community who um, I ran, I helped run the campaign for two school bonds um, before cityhood. And this is a community that will invest in its schools, invest in its children. And this is a community who really wanted to do better. Um, and, but they, it was just a matter of understanding and a matter for us to tell the, the story correctly. And that's why I brought outside people in so they would have, you know, experienced people that say, hey, this is what happened in Elk Grove. This is what happened in Citrus Heights. So the naysayers, yeah, there were still a couple of them. Um, but for the most part, we even had a, a meeting in Gold River. And you can imagine that community did not want us to be a city. At one time, the city boundaries included Gold River. <laughs> and when you're a community activist and you're just a community group, you don't have the money or the power to, to fight wealthy people or lawyers. So we just took them out of the city. <laughs> it was really simple. But even at that meeting, Charles, some of the naysayers came and said, hey, this is a good idea. Yeah. 
you know. So um, we we just were truthful, and um, that's one reason I stayed to work at the city. Uh, I didn't have any intention of working at the city of Rancho Cordova. Um, the main reason I wanted to stay is I was asked to by my friends, Linda, David, and the council, but also, you know, I, as Kurt Haven, stood up in front of these people and said, vote for cityhood, this is a good thing. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that my promise to the community was going to be real, and it, it totally has been. Yeah. So several of the people instrumental back then in the in, in corporation efforts are still around and very active. So, for example, Linda Budge, mm-hmm. who's the current mayor, served on the city council since day one, current mayor today as we speak. Uh, David Sander, current vice mayor, been on the city council forever. But the first city council included, obviously, the two, Linda David. But then we had Ken Cooley, mm-hmm. who went on to serve in the assembly for many, many years until last year. And Bob McGarvey, who I believe was the first mayor. So that's four. Well, Dave Roberts was our first mayor. Oh, Dave Roberts was the first the mayor. first mayor. So the way okay. it worked was whoever got the most votes, we decided whoever got the most votes was going to be the mayor. Right. And then from then on, the council chooses their mayor. Okay. So in so would it have been uh, Ken Cooley, the, Bob McGarvey, Linda David, and Dave Roberts? No, Ken Cooley wasn't on the first. Oh, okay. So because it's Dave that's, Roberts. In my, I'm not very good at math, but that's four. <laughs> And they asked you to stay, and you acted as chair of the city council. <laughs> so I've never heard that. What no. is the chair of a city council? Well, it was interesting. During the campaign, uh, we've learned that um, that the city, the camp, the I'm sorry, the vote was in November. The city couldn't start until July because it's a fiscal year, right. and under the rules of LAFCO, which is the organization that decides if you're a city or not. Um, set this up. So between November of 2023 and then July, we had to um, pretty much have an ad hoc city council. And so, uh, again, I didn't have any desires to to work for a city, but it felt natural for me to stay and and help. And so it was in the chamber offices. Um, We hired a consultant um, that actually was assisting me, and then we did city manager interviews. So a lot of things were done before we were officially a city until right, July because 1. We're gonna, so and we're so gonna, the, the first thing we had to do is buy a computer and some paper, and so my wife's credit card was the first financial right. uh, capacity for the city. We, we just used her credit card, and we started the city on right. it. <laughs> and you just whisked through three or four questions. Okay, sorry. So the first one is, so the city was run, I've read from a small desk mm-hmm. tucked away in one of the offices at the chamber. Um, so how did that work? You all just huddled around the desk? Well, we were used to having what's called the pickle barrel hour. And um, Dave Roberts would generally show up on my office about 2 o'clock. And then David Sander would come over and Linda and other people would come over, a lot of other community interest people, and we would just sit around and talk. What was the discussion? Um, the discussion was... You know, what are the next steps in being a city? And you have to remember, none of here has ever done this before. I mean, how many times you have to get to create right. a city? And everybody was volunteer. And everyone right? was volunteer. It's all yeah. volunteer. Yeah, yeah. So I was getting paid as the chamber, the chamber CEO. Yeah. Not a lot, but I was getting yeah, paid. Yeah. My choice. Um, so we would just talk about, you know, next steps. And we did have a consultant that came in, and, and he also helped um, Citrus Heights and El Grove and starting. So we would talk about what's next. And... Uh, obviously, the next, the first step would be to um, hire a city manager. I don't want to keep going. So I'm not sure what your next question right. is going well, to be. Well, the next question, <laughs> I heard a rumor, 
And you've just confirmed that it was a real room. Your wife, Margaret, who incidentally you've been married to for 40 years. Marjorie, yep. Marjorie, sorry. Um, for 40 years. It was her credit card that financed the beginnings of the city. You were able to go off and buy paper and pens and everything else. Is So that's true. That is true. Yeah. So did she receive interest on her investment? Or at least a city proclamation? Honoring that? You know, again, going back to a great one behind a good man, um, she was just very supportive through this whole process. Yeah. It was really, really tons she of hours. She got her money back, though. She got her money back. Yeah. yeah. She good. got it. She got me. Yeah. She got her money back. Yeah. Where was the first city hall? Um, the first city hall was on Prospect Road. It was uh, a building that we leased from Metro Fire. Right. So it was um, on the corner of Prospect and... No, I'm sorry, Kilgore and International. And how long were you there for? Well, Roughly. Just like two years, two, two three years? years, three years. And then the new city hall? Then then we hired city manager. Ted Gaylor was our right. first city manager. We hired him, and then we moved towards the new building. Okay. Um, do you remember the first council meeting? Yeah, it was exciting. It was yeah. actually over at Mather at the Office of Emergency Services the governor's office of emergency. We didn't have a city hall then. Um, and then our, that was our first meeting. It went like six hours. Yeah. In fact... Uh, 5.30 to 1.30. Yeah, I remember a speech that Dave Roberts had started, and he was known for being a great orator. And I actually went home, changed my clothes, and came back, and he was still speaking. Still speaking? <laughs> and, um, the, a lot had to be done that first meeting because they had to adopt lots of ordinances and policies and rules and things that, that make the city official. And that was, uh, who was the city council then? Everybody so That would have I been mentioned? Linda Budge, David Sander, Bob McGarvey, Dave Roberts, and one, two, three, four, five, and who am I forgetting? Was it um, McGarvey? McGarvey. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so you were building the city from the ground up. There must have been a lot of challenges. Any that come to mind? Is there one thing that was more complicated <coughs> than others? Well, I think, no, I think what was exciting was we were allowed to be entrepreneurial. Um, and there's a lot of stories on this. And as the cityhood was built and things went on, I really saw how this was built differently. Yeah. Um, remember, none of us really had any background in government. I right. mean, Linda Budge probably had the most. Uh, she was on a lot of commissions with the county prior to that. David Sanders is a scientist. Uh, Bob McGarvey was from AT&T. Uh, Dave Roberts smart. was a captain. Everybody was smart. Everybody had a piece of something. Dave Roberts was captain in, in what? In, in the military? In the Sacramento uh, County Sheriff Department. Oh, he was. Oh, yeah, he, he was. He was retired. Oh, okay. Um, so we had, everybody had bits and pieces. So um, we were allowed to be entrepreneurial. So I think, um, I don't remember any big overcoming challenges except for, you know, let's do this differently. How yeah. can we do this differently? And then when Ted Gabler was our first city manager, it was a really good hire for our first one because he wrote a book called Reinventing Government right. and he wanted to do things differently. Right. Of course, as a business person getting into government, I was a little frustrated here and there because I'm used to making decisions quickly. I'm used to I'm used to getting things done and acting in government doesn't always work that same course. Right. Um, but we were able to do it differently. Um, for example, law enforcement. Law enforcement is really important in Ranch Cordova, and as you heard from um, our sheriff, Jim Cooper, you know, we have a long history with law enforcement, and, and this community supports law enforcement. This community needs law enforcement. 
And so we wanted to do it differently. And so instead of spending big money and having our own chief and having our own staff, we decided to contract with the County of Sacramento. But besides that, we did what's called a split chief. So the chief answers to our city manager and to our council. The chief also answers to Sacramento County and to the sheriff. And from the chief down to about sergeants, we did split um, roles, so which saved it saved money, but that really wasn't the purpose. So was there a discussion <clears throat> of forming its own police department? Um, not was really. Was that ever in discussion? No. Not at the beginning. No. Not at the beginning. Okay. And that that relationship with the sheriff's office has gone on since, right? Yeah, it's very strong, and and you have to remember when you incorporate as a city, you're changing the way things are done. And, you know, the, the sheriff's unions and the sheriff department was concerned about how is this going to change how they police and ranch Cordova. So we made it clear from the beginning, we want to partner with you. Right. And that was a good strategy, I think, that paid off. And then we're jumping back a little bit. You were involved in the interviewing of the first city manager and the first city attorney. Yes, sir. So you actually <laughs> interviewed them, gave them the job to become your boss. Well, the council gave him the job to become right. my boss. But, but um, you were in involved in the interview process. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, what do you remember about that process? They would just come in and say, hey, I want to be the city manager. <laughs> well, I think the council did a really good job. And um, we worked hard as a committee to, to pick, uh, select, you know, interviewees, candidates. Um, I just, you know, again, we didn't, I didn't have a lot of background in this. I was looking more for like, you know, how many times do they say I over we? Um, I, and I do the same thing when I talk to a politician. I listen very carefully. If they say I all the time, yeah. that means they're self-centered. It's, right, it's right. for them. If they say we or right. us, that means they're community-oriented and they care about the mission of the yeah. city. So I was very, I was more interested in, in the we part. Right. In um, the technical we part. We mean they're a team. They're a team We player. mean we're yeah. a team. In the technical part of building a city, you know, that's, we anybody can do that. So I wanted someone who was a teamwork. So I, Ted was really interesting because um, he wrote a book called Reinventing Government, and he wanted to do things differently. Right. Now, of course, me having a business background, a lot of things he said to me were common sense. Right. But in the government world, it was different. Right. So as a team, we were able to, to really get along fairly well and to um, get things done. Now, um, our city attorney was another story. Um, you know, I had my favorites. And the city attorney came to me, the current city attorney we have now, came to me with his partner. And I says, what are you guys doing here? And he says, we're here to interview, and we want to be first. And I go, no, you're going to be last, because I had that power back then. And we just laughed and laughed about it. And it was just really and funny. he's the current city attorney today? For, they've always, he's been always here, had Myers Nobby for since 20 day years. One? Yes, sir. Wow, I didn't know that. And it was okay. a great choice, and Myers Nobby's done a really good job for yeah. us, and we became really good friends. But... At first, it was I had my choice, and it wasn't them. But it was fun because we got to barter around back and forth. Right. So, and then of course you get hired by the city. Now here's a funny story. So Linda Budge was our first guest on this podcast. It wasn't the first playing because Cyrus was the first episode number one. Good. But Linda was actually the first guest. She was the very first person we interviewed, and um, she was sitting here and very casually referred to someone as number one. It was very casual. I said, oh, yeah, well, you know, oh, number one. And then I thought, well, and I stopped her and I said, what does that mean, number one? And she <laughs> said, oh, I'm sorry. That's, we all had numbers. Or, and you were number one. So you have the honor of being like almost like a James Bond thing, number one, <laughs> number two. I asked Cyrus if he remembered his number. He told me number four. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
So what is that, knowing today that you were the first employee of the city of Rancho Cordova? <laughs> that's, uh, that's forever, right? Yeah, it was interesting how that happened, too, because the first city council meeting, Ted Gabler, I mean, I'm sorry, the city council actually wrote a proclamation saying I would be hired by the city of Rancho Cordova. Right. So I was actually hired by the city council like a city manager would be. But it was just a proclamation, and that was their way to protect me, basically. Right. And then when the city manager came, he was act, he's my boss. I work under the city manager, not for the city council. Right. And he was number two? And he was number two. And so when a year later, when it came to possibly giving me a raise or giving me another uh, opportunity, he says, you know, Kurt, I can't give you a raise. You were hired by the city council. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> wow. And I said, oh, let's change that quickly. Let's change that. So right. um, the city council did hire me initially as an employee, the first employee. But then we changed it when the city manager came and I so was able I, to uh, work under him. I asked Cyrus if he could name the top five. He couldn't. So you're number one. Number two was the city manager. Who was number three? I think it was Kim Oliver, who was our admin assistant. Okay. And then I, uh, somewhere in there is Lisa Brown, who's now in our HR department. Okay. So well, that's Cyrus, four we know five, is number four. Four, and that Cyrus would be four. And, and he I, was in planning or engineering? Cyrus in or? building department. Building, yeah. yeah. In the and first number location. Five? You got me there, Charles. Yeah, it doesn't matter, really. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, and as number one, were you the economic development director? Was that your first job? That was my first job as yeah. an economic development director. But at that time, we did everything. Yeah. At the beginning. So, um, so you oversaw redevelopment, housing. You saw other issues other than just economic development, right, in those days? Yeah. My, um, my philosophy in economic development is more of a whole picture. Right. <clears throat> so I, don't... I have here that you did things very differently mm -hmm. as an econ development manager versus other mm -hmm. cities. So tell, tell us about that. How did you do things differently and why? What was the thinking? Well, I think the main reason it? why is because I didn't come with a master's degree of economic development. Right. I came with on, boots on the street degree right. of economic development. Right. And I, gave, I came with a um, business attitude that it's okay to make a profit and it's okay to be successful. Um, and, and so we built an economic development department that didn't just count jobs. We, we looked at the whole community. So <clears throat> a, a statistic that was really important to me was in our existing community, how many adults came back for more education? How many adults returned to college? How many adults returned to school for our training? That was important to me. Um, the housing balance in Rancho Cordova, which was way upside down back then, there wasn't any new houses to go to. There weren't many opportunities you know, and the housing stock at that time was very, um, very sad. You know, how how can we upgrade that and how can we make it <clears throat> so that we don't have to compete with Folsom, don't have to compete with Elk Grove? So to me, it was more of a whole picture economic development, which, you know, some people didn't get it. Um, some people wanted reports and they wanted numbers. I could do that, too. But I was more interested in the whole being of the community. We were really um, fortunate. Rancho Cordova... Um, has more jobs than homes. Um, you know, that time was about 30,000, 35,000 people working in Rancho Cordova. So we had Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, right. lots of startups, lots of entrepreneurs. So it was very, it's very, very exciting to work in Rancho Cordova because I can take you to any type of business. Now, I can do the same thing in the community. I can take you to executive homes, mansions, lock gate homes, to, you know, um, Apartment complexes, multifamily, some need some help, some don't. 
um, to first-time home buyer homes. So it's just exciting. So my picture for economic development was was more what is the health of the community and okay. where do we fit in the region. And that's how it was different. Because <clears throat> today economic doing. development is exactly that business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So very quickly, Cyrus Abar joined the city. Well, we know that. And he became the city manager. And he retired in December of 31st last year. So he was like 20, 18 years a city manager. Yes, sir. Because he was a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was very popular. I have a lot of time for Cyrus. Mm-hmm. He One of the best interviews I ever did was with him here. Mm-hmm. And anybody should listen. Tell us your memories and highlights of working with Cyrus. Well, um, in the beginning years, Cyrus was a director like I was, and he did have the master's degree, and he did have a lot of experience in the county of Sacramento working in government. I didn't. So there were a lot of frustrations that I would come up with. Why does this take so long? Why do we really need this law? Why are we doing this? I mean, this would be you. Why, this would be me. So why can't yeah. the city decide quicker? Right, why do we right. have to go to the committee? Why do we have to go to the council? Right. So I had a lot of frustrations in the early part of um, working at the city. And they were good frustrations, not negative. Yeah. They were positive frustrations. So Cyrus was my confidence. I would go to Cyrus and say, and he was he has a very calming way. So he would just say Curtis. <laughs> and he called you Curtis? Charles, when I hear the word Curtis, that means yeah. you have to listen. Right. So I would say, yes, Cyrus. And he would say, you know, you got to remember. And he would walk me through the process of government or he would remind me why we're doing this. And um, he would say, you know, give it some time, let other people give give us input, and it might be a better product. And so Cyrus was always there for me in the early days of, because we were together, we were equal together um, in working at the city and a big support. And he just has this calming nature to yeah. him. I've gotten to know um, Cyrus quite well. His daughter actually works with us here oh, at cool. the film office. I asked David this, and I've asked Linda this. Have you ever seen Cyrus angry? I'm taking the fifth. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Today, Rancho Cordova is known as an economic powerhouse of the region. It's the second largest job center in the region, if I'm correct. How did that happen? And I have a feeling you might have been a little instrumental there. Well, we had a lot to do with it. But actually, prior to cityhood, um, uh, a big computer, um, a big developer from the Silicon Valley came out named Peter McEwen. And he's the one that actually started these huge base plate data centers in Rancho Cordova. He was actually the one that started bringing large businesses to Rancho Cordova. And if you can remember at that time, this would be 80s. Um, Rancho Cordova on the south side of Highway 50 basically was all cobble rock and empty. So the land was cheap. It's above the floodplain, so you're not like in downtown Sacramento. You have to worry about floods. Utilities, smuts, utilities were... um, inexpensive, and the land was cheap. So at that time, um, Peter brought a lot of, of entrepreneurs to this area, and it just grew and grew and grew. So that was under the county of Sacramento. So City of Ranch Cordova didn't create all of this. Um, we just enabled it, and we took it, and we said, okay, how can we grow from that? How can we integrate that into our city, and how can we attract more business that are like that? So and if you think of Sacramento County, it's a very large region. When you have local government, it's just faster and quicker and more efficient. So we were, we were able to grow what was here. 
So what is the job of an economic dude? And we're, I'm trying to get Amanda Norton here. Who, did she take yeah. over from you, by the way? Yes, she did. She did? Yeah, I hired Amanda. You did? And I hired Micah. You did? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard the Micah. I didn't know you hired Amanda. Mm -hmm. So she was your deputy? Yes, sir. She was. Okay. What is... Um, the job of an economic development director. That's something that I'm very fascinated with. I actually know the economic development director of um, Placer County, the, okay. for the county. So what is the job of an economic development director? What are their responsibilities? Well, in a, in a traditional city or county, or even um, a lot of economic developments have districts, um, it's very traditional. You count jobs. You count, you count national product, you count e income growth, you count profits, you count numbers. I didn't do that. Um, and, and a traditional economic development director is responsible for a percentage of growth quarterly for that region. So you're, there's numbers you have to, to meet, there's, there's outputs you have to meet, et cetera. Um, we, weren't, we weren't designed like that. So that wouldn't work for me, it works for others. Um, and there's really good examples of very good economic development directors in the region that are doing a great job, but that didn't work for me. Um, so, and then also an economic development director has to work closely with their housing department, with their transportation department, because okay. if all these pieces don't work, then, you know, it's pretty hard to bring businesses to your but area. But do they go and get business? Um, they go and get business. Um, you, you do a lot of traveling. You, you meet with businesses in different areas. Um, I would go to the Bay Area and talk to different businesses. Generally, I would bring a Ranch Cordova business with me and go visit because they, they were the best ones to talk about oh, the I advantages see. of being Ranch Cordova. Um, and so a traditional economic domain would have lots of tools. Yeah. And it still goes <clears throat> on because Solidime, which is a big company, just announced yeah. they're making their global headquarters here. I asked David Sando why is that important, and he gave a very good case, actually, as to why Solidime is is uh, so important here. So, when you were the, you were the first economic development director, we, uh, and today you see Vision Quest, I think they're called, or the big companies that mm -hmm. are here. Did you attract them here, or did they just come here because of what you had built? So you and everybody else. Some of, of them were here, but we we were able to help them implement their growth. Yeah. Um, VSP was here, but they had one VSP, building. Now they have meant, seven. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Allstate Insurance was here. Now they're bigger. Franklin Templeton, um, they came up here because we're earthquake safe. I see. And we were able to implement. So now when a company comes to Ranch Cove, there's, there's the first thing they need is, is there space for them? So if they need 100,000 square feet or 200,000 square feet or 50,000 square feet. And we have that. Right? Our job is to make sure they know that they, this right. is available. And that's, our, that's today's job. Right. And then the second job is <clears throat> what kind of company is this? You know, um, what do they fit into the current companies that we have in Ranch Cordova? And then help them network with the companies that are currently here so they can feel comfortable this is a place to live. And then in today's world, you know, especially with the employees that we have today, are there fun things to do in the city? So that's where all of the events come in. Right. That's where the restaurants and the brewery district right. that Amanda built that right. brewery district come into. She so did? We yeah. need to make sure that they know there's a full picture, there's a full set of opportunity here in Rancho Cordova. So it's, it's, it's numbers, but it's also representing the full community. What are the qualities needed to be an economic? To, I want to, one of my guys <laughs> here wants to become an economic development director, and he says, 
Hey, Kurt, how, what do I need? What is the quality that you, that's needed? You got to have personality. Yeah. Um, you and are. Amanda has that and so do you. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're the face of the city or whoever you're representing. Uh, it's good to have a good idea on how does a brokerage house work? How does uh, keep, uh, commercial brokers, how can they help you? It's a good idea to know uh, the market of buildings. You know, how are they bought and sold? Square footage is always a big play. Um, it's good to know um, you need to have a strong inventory of what businesses you currently have. So maybe there's a, a type of business that you're looking for specifically. Um, did, you know, just a lot of knowledge about your community. Yeah. We recently, as I mentioned, had David Sander on the show. And I read one thing that was very important to you when you when you came to Rancho and it became was the blight, the look mm-hmm. of the city. Um David told us about an early program, which is still in operation today, which is the Blight Buster Code Enforcement Sweeps. Mm -hmm. And I know you were very instrumental in that. (laughs) And it was something important to you. I've read that you were very concerned with the slum landlords that we had, the corrupt landlords, Mm -hmm. just the blight of the city. How did, tell me why that's important to you and how did you fix it? So when you become a city, it's good to have 10 or 15 reasons to become a city. And we probably had 20. Um, One of the top five was to improve the image of Rancho Cordova. So if you're out attracting businesses, trying to get them to move here, uh, I had a business tell me, Kurt, we'd love to come to Rancho Cordova. I don't see any red roofs. And I thought, you mean red roof the restaurant? What are you talking about? He goes, no, no. New ho- new housing. Right. So all the houses today have tile roofs and right. they're red. He says, I don't see any red roofs. Aha, we need to build new housing. Um, we couldn't really attract that until we cleaned up what we had. So, <clears throat> uh, again, because I'm community-oriented and, and not just a numbers counter, <clears throat> and I live here and I interact with the people here, um, I saw living conditions that no one should have to live in. Right. And, and um, that was because of slumlords. Because of slumlords. So a lot of our – if you remember – the reason we have so many apartments and duplexes in single-family kind or a multi-family type of housing is because this was an Air Force town, right. and our navigators would come in for two years and they'd come and leave. So it was people were coming and going, and it worked then. And when they left, we were left with you know a product that needed some help, right. and it attracted other people. And these other people aren't bad people; they're just other people. And so we saw the quality of our housing going down. So it was again very unique as an economic director. I actually was. I directed many departments, and one of them was code enforcement. And um, it was very important to this council that we clean up Dodge. Now, we didn't want to do it in an authoritarian offer. Uh, you know, we, didn't, we wanted to go with a carrot, not a stick, except for our slum landlords. So we actually had an ordinance passed by the council that we would inspect every rental union and ranch, union and ranch Cordova. That's a big Wow. Big project. You did? Yep. And someone asked me. You mean me, every individual rental every union? Every individual rental union. So has there was inspected. a building, like a rental, like an apartment building, you would go in every unit? Every unit. Wow. So that's a big That's a big very chunk. big And this council got behind that. And it sounds a little authoritarian. It, it sounds a little like a big government's in your backyard. But it was needed at that time. I don't think that. Yeah. But it was needed at it's that time. It's protecting people that are renting. So I would go into some. This is. A while back ago, we've cleaned up our rent, our housing, yeah. obviously, hugely. But I would go into rentals where there were broken windows, there was bugs on the beds, et cetera, et cetera. And you made them fix and it. And no one should live that way. No, I, I agree. Yeah. And I, we made them fix it. In fact, we got so strong that, you know, I would get visits from 
property owners and with their lawyer demanding to see the mayor and to see me. And my mayor would say, well, just go see Kurt. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't even talk to him. I would just stand up with pictures of the, 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 the their property and the broken windows and the sewer leaks and the huge bugs. And I would just walk around and hand the pictures to the lawyers. And I'd sit down in front of the landlord and say, you need to leave Rancho Cordova. We don't want you here. And they left. You know, they left. We actually even brought up mortgage companies from L.A. <laughs> to have them come and review the property that their loan was on and see the poor condition that this was at. So we used some draconian tools yeah. at first to help clean up Dodge. And what did that do, Charles? It, it turned around. It sent us a really strong message that Rancho Cordova was not going to put up with right. this. And we wanted to be a community that everyone, no matter your income level, had a clean, safe right. place to live. And you were protected. And we were protected. Yeah. Them. And um, I'm, I'm sort of active with the city of Palm Springs because I live there. Or I, I mean, I certainly lived there for many years. And I know code enforcement people in Palm Springs. And they're just city workers. I came across code enforcement people in Rancho because we filmed, uh, we did a video for the city during the pandemic. And we followed a couple of code enforcement. And they're like cops. Mm -hmm. They have guns. They don't have guns. No. Well, the ones I saw had guns. Okay. Or maybe they were probation then. That was probation. Because they went to a house that had caught fire, and there was something, people were living there. Yeah. So the city has a homeless team or has an active team. It might have been probation. But they were very authoritative. They didn't. They were vests. Yeah. Bulletproof vests. Oh, maybe they didn't. Okay. But they were authoritative. They looked law Uh enforcement. Sure. And so that continues today. So code enforcement, I would imagine, is still very important to the city today. Yeah. It's, um, again, the number one issue was to change the image around Cordova. Right. We've done that and you, considerably. Done a great job. Yeah. But part of it is code enforcement. Part of it is empowering your um, community. So the Blightbusters was kind of the hammer going in. And the next phase was called Growing Strong Neighborhoods. And right. I'm sure David talked about that. And he was a very big supporter of that. So we, what we did there is we would go into the neighborhoods and empower them to make changes yeah. and build the neighborhoods. So Michael Runner just took over the reins of the city, a city manager. You just said you hired him. So I'm going to put you right on the spot here. <laughs> so what advice are you going to give Micah over a beer? <laughs> we have lots of coffee together even still today. But, yeah. um, but he must. Micah he, is very talented. And my advice, Micah hears this all the time, is, just be Micah. Yeah. And Micah is, um, he's very centered. He's, um, he's, he's very intelligent. He doesn't um, make rash, quick decisions. He's very thoughtful. Yeah. Um, he's very caring about people. Um, I just love his Christian attitudes. Yeah. If that's the right word. No, I've got a lot of time and, for um, he's, We're here because of Micah. Yeah. He was my first contact with the city. And Micah listens when you talk to him. You he can does. always tell when someone listens. Yeah, and he listens he when you talk to him. So I was with him this morning. I just, you know, Mike, I said, how's it going? And he says, I'm doing my best. I says, yeah. you'll be great. Yeah. He'll be great. And he yeah. is great. And Micah just needs to be Micah. Yeah. It's a tough job. It is. Very really tough. hard job. City managers are very tough very job. Hard job. Nothing I ever wanted to do. No. Never if was If I was going to be plan. in city government, <clears throat> I always said to myself, city manager would be my aspiration. But I knew the city manager of Palm Springs, a long, long serving. His name is David Reddy. Whoa, that was a tough job. Yeah, sometimes. You can't please anyone. Sometimes it's more fun to be number two yeah. than number one. <laughs> You know this city as well as anybody else. Um, where is Rancho Cordova today? 
<clears throat> well, as we celebrate our 20-year anniversary, uh, Rancho Cordova is not a new city anymore. Rancho Cordova is a uh, college graduate ready to go out and hit the world. Yeah. And I really want everyone to think about that. Um, uh, I think it's exciting that we still have people like myself and others who are the past. Right. But the future is where we're going. Right. And one reason I retired was to um, allow others to leave. Right. And uh, I'm not saying the people should retire. I'm just saying that the future is is, is where we're, we're no, heading. No. And yeah. I really b- believe that Rancho Cordova now has graduated from college, and they need to go out there and make their mark in this world. And this city has so many positive issues that they are de- it's amazing we have a housing growth or they're still building 400 new homes a year right. that's amazing we have new growth we have existing ranch cordova that's turned over and we're now getting reinvestment in existing ranch cordova our business community is growing um, this city's always been very strong financially we have never spent more than what we had now they have more right with the two measures that are passed and so, they're very generous and they're very generous yeah. so I mean, the sky's the market for Ranch Cordova, uh, but we're not a, a new city anymore. We're no. college graduates. Right. And we need to bring leadership and we need to bring new blood right. into the city. And I'm not talking about electives or anything specific, but just we need to we need to mature quickly and get out in this, this new exciting world. Um, the, the conversation I had with David Sander was, or Sander, I was correct. Sander. <laughs> it's my accent. But the, the conversation I had with David Sander was a very good conversation. He's a very eloquent speaker mm-hmm. and very. I asked him if we were sitting here in five years, where would Rancho Cordova be? And his answer was very, it was very, very good. It was a very intelligent answer. So I say, I'm not going to ask you. Um, where will we be in five years? But I'll ask you, where would you like the city to be in five years? You put me in a hard spot here because uh, it's hard to beat Mr. Sander. But um, no, I mean, this is my view. My view is I really believe that the community has already regained um, a lot of its, um, you know, the, the negativity of Ranch Cordova is gone. Yeah. Um, you except, as, you except for law and for I told David I told everybody this when I moved here people would say why on mm-hmm. earth are you going to Rancho it's dangerous you're going to get shot there's crime and blah 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 but that's not true and it's not true it's, not it's true. absolutely not true so it, it takes 10 years to change the opinion of a community right it takes 10 years for their what they truly are to get out and so we're almost at that time but um, I would say that um People are going to desire and have and are desiring now to live in Rancho Cordova for a whole bunch of reasons. We do have housing choices now. Right. We have jobs. Right. And this place is fun. Yeah. I mean, I sit on the board he now. He said it's hot. Of the Cordova Community Council, and it's fun. Yeah. We have so many great activities. <clears throat> and what's, I think, a very positive plus, the whole world lives here. Um, if you ever sit at the market at KP in their food court, and I know you and I have, yeah. the whole world comes through there, and they live in this right. region, and that's exciting also. So, um, in five years from now, I just think it's just going to be bigger and better. Yeah, you know, um, I believe in local government. I would like to see us have a little more control of some things in government that we need to bring right. into local government, um, and um, really just kind of grow our leadership 
and to let um, new people come in and let some right. new ideas happen. And this is the last question to put you on the spot. But if you were still active in the management of this city today, what ambitions would you have personally? Or what is one or two ambitions to keep the city growing? That may be not happening now, but you think should happen. Mm. If there are any, maybe there aren't any. Um, sorry, Charles, but I'm pretty pretty You're happy happy with yeah, what with they're everything. doing. Um, yeah. No, listen, that's. I think we have an opportunity with um, bringing in new technology, the Solidarn and the new companies, maybe yeah. to to grow that part of our right. businesses. But um, no, Rancho Cordova is very well run. I'm I'm pretty happy. And I found there's only 80, 90 people that work at the city. Yep, 80, 90 people run this city. Yeah, I'm running very well. And some are contract employees. Yeah, so. yeah, but. So let's switch gears. So what's Kurt Haven up to these days? Well, it's been actually um, a lot of fun. Um, I retired in 2019, and um, it was not an easy decision. Um, my parents were aging, and uh, I needed to help them out. So my dad passed in 20, and my mom passed in 21. So that was that's a lot of work. That's a bit and tough, yeah. I'm 66, and at that part of my age where I have um, five grandchild children who are in the schools and here in Rancho. Oh yeah, they're yeah, all in Rancho. They all live here. Yeah, um, they live at Mather. Yeah, and they live here in Ranch Cordova. In fact, my son just bought a house on Mills Ranch, the same model house that he was raised in. Yeah, because <laughs> he loved that community. He can walk to the river. He can walk to Peter J. Shields with his son. Right, and his, everything's close. So he's a Rancho Cordova, and his name's Matthew. Um, and so I'm I'm a professional grandfather. Um, I've always been interested in this community, and I will love this community forever. So I sit on a couple boards. Um, Cordova Community Council is one of them. And I'm working with nonprofits to um, bring, you know, more activity to Rancho Cordova. Um, and just to give myself, or not myself, but ourselves here a shameless plug, um, you're going to help us out with the Documentary Film Festival. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of what I want to do is kind of broaden Kurt Haven and get into the right. arts a little bit. Yeah. So I am working with Rise Up Theater and helping yeah. them put together right. a performing arts center right. in Rancho Cordova. Um, and then I have a small consulting company um, that I haven't made a lot of money, but it's, to me it's never been about money. It's more about empowering the community. Right. But you got to make a living. Yeah. Um, you know, and I work with um, small businesses and small developers and I just advise them how to get through. Navigate through the city. Navigate the yeah. city and how to do in Which is very important, by the way. Yeah. I wish. And that's been When fun I first too. came here, I wish we had that because yeah. it's it's difficult to navigate through a city. And so I, I, I get to do that. And then um, we have a motorhome. So my wife and I and other people, we travel all over the place. And, right. Enjoy that. So with your phone today, I can still be on boards and things. And so what is a typical day for you? What does a day look like? That's what's a, what's tomorrow going to look like? Well, I tell you what was exciting about um, leaving the city is I don't have to go to management meetings anymore. <laughs> and I don't have to be at work at a certain time. Right. And I don't think I ever really was. But right. anyways, um, so average day for me is uh, coffee with my wife in the morning. And we now have a, a dog at our house that we get to play with. And um and then the phone starts ringing and the emails start popping and I kind of feel like I'm working still. Yeah. But um, I have people still asking for advice. All city the time, people all the time. Well, yeah. not so much city people. I mean, yeah, we're all friends yeah. and we talk. Um, I very people. respectfully. I I believe really strongly that you know if you're a captain of a ship and you leave your command, you leave your command. Yeah. 
you don't go back. And but you so can still give advice. Though. I have friends there that that yeah. I talk to a lot. And in fact, this morning I was with Tony, who runs our business license department, Superman. And I really appreciate him. And uh, I have a client that had an issue, and Tony gave me the right answer. So yeah. it was fun. So I get to interact with the city like that. But, um, you know, and then I help businesses and people who have problems. And basically, I just open some doors so that they can get the answers that they want. And I direct them to the right way. And it's not right. that anybody else could do this, but I just happen to be in the area and have the background to do that. Okay. Um, Working on a couple. Um, multifamily projects. We're bringing new apartments to Rancho Cordova and um, looking at a couple office conversions, maybe converting some of these unused office buildings into apartments, yeah, into housing. So, Like affordable housing? Some, just, there will, yeah. there will, I'm a big proponent of affordable housing. Yeah. One of the projects I helped direct was the Mather um, Veterans Park out there where right. we, home, we housed about 65 homeless vets. Yeah. So I believe in, in in affordable housing. Yes. So you so an average day is pretty much like kind of like working. Yeah. That I get to go home and have lunch and you know jump in the motorhome with my wife and right, off you go go visit. Yeah. yeah. So if you've listened to them, we're getting to a close, and there's a little more, but we always end this show with some fun questions, and I and I'd like to ask you these questions. <laughs> so what is one word that best describes you? Huh. And I think um, I thought about this too, but I I think um, David Sander told me one time that I was very driven. Driven. And and I started thinking about that, and I go, well, that's a big compliment. And he's actually right because if you give me a task, Charles, and it's not selfless, if it's for you to do something or for me to get benefit, I'm not good at that. But if it's for the community or it's for the better of a group. I'm on it. Well, Curtis, I'm on it. If you're driven, don't apologize. You're driven. I'm very driven. So one word that describes you is driven. Driven. And and I would probably agree with that. If you can be one person for a day besides yourself, who would it be and why? Um, So it's interesting being a grandfather. I have five grandkids and they're all different, but they're, they're just. How old are they? So we go from 13 down to one. <laughs> so um, the ones in the middle are in kindergarten. Um, one is very active, very curious, very intelligent. And I, I just thought it would be really cool to be one of my grandkids for a day for a couple of reasons. One, I want to know what they think about Rancho Cordova. I want to know what they think about what what does their day look like and how do they see the community. Plus, kind of interested in how do they see the world right now? Um, you know, my father passed right during COVID and it was a horrible time because you had to stay in your room and watch CNN and all that crap that was going on. And right. he passed very upset yeah. about his country. And he did? Very, very yeah. upset. And so now I wonder what, what my grandkids think, you know, and I'm sure every grandparent thought this, you know, and is wondering this because right. we all strive. One of our capacities as a parent is to build a better world for our kids my kids are fine yeah. uh, i know what the, i know what their life is and what they're thinking but i, I thought it would be interesting well, to be well, a grand young kids yeah be a young no, grandkid yeah and, and see what they do during the day michael runner gave me the favorite answer because it would be what i would say without hesitation my dog yeah he said without that. hesitation my dog and i thought wow yeah. me too yeah because i we know how my dog too. is treated <laughs> um what is your biggest pet peeve 
I just hate bullies. Bullies? Um, just bullies. Um, national bill bullies, local bullies. In in uh, what I saw in government was a lot of not our employees, but people trying to bully our people. Um, I just don't like bullies. Uh, yeah. no, no one's any better than anybody else in my book. Right. And uh, I just don't like bullies. So when we're talking about government bullies, let's get political here. Is okay. Trump one of those bullies? Uh, I'm not talking about that. No. <laughs> Do you have any hidden talents? Hmm. Well, um, a lot of people probably don't know this. And maybe it's, I'm not sure it's a talent, but I'm a huge Pilates student. So You um, are? I have some health issues with my spine and back and went through back surgery. And um, one advantage of being retired is I lost weight because I didn't sit at a desk all day and, and go to management meetings. But um, Amanda Norton and uh, Megan Huber, who used to work for us, uh, took me to a Pilates class four and a half years ago. And you got into it? And I haven't missed a week. You haven't? Yeah, well, that's Does not, it help you with your... It's hugely helped. It has? It's changed my life. Wow. It really has. And, you know, there, I got a ways to go still. Yeah. And um, I'm probably the only, well, most classes I'm the only male. And yeah. I'm definitely the oldest. And you go how often? Once a week. Once a week? And it's uh, Pilates is, if you don't know what Pilates is, it's like yoga times 10. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very rigorous workout. Yeah. And it helped you with your... Tremendously. It did? Yeah. My wow. posture, everything. Yeah. I still, you know, still have issues. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But it, I think I, I probably wouldn't be moving I recently... Far. Found out about the spine as you get older, mm -hmm. spinal things and stuff, and it's it's not reversible. The only thing you can do is control it and strengthen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I love Pilates. Here, right here in Rancho Cordova. So your talent is you're an avid Pilates. <laughs> so <coughs> I believe, and I know you're an avid RVer. Where is your favorite RV destination? Well, when it's hot, it'll obviously be the coast. Um, anywhere on the north coast of California, Oregon. Um, when it's cool, um, we go south. We go north, uh, Redding, Lassen. Yeah, um, that's what's so unique about this state. I know we have issues, but put that aside. Um, two hours from anywhere in Sacramento, I can be in deserts. Yeah. I can be in mountains. Yeah. We can be in Tahoe. Yeah. So I, mean, I grew up in Alameda County, so I spent a lot of time in Tahoe. So, you know, there's there's just many exciting places yeah. to go to. One of these days, we're going to do the big one. Washington, Oregon, Canadian Highway all the way down to uh -huh. the Great Lakes and come down. So that's yeah. on my wish list. Yeah. What is one piece of advice you would give a young person wanting to work in city government? Hmm. Well, I like people that are passionate. So um, it can't just be a job. It has to be, Passion. you have to be passionate about what you're doing. Um, and again, I look for that in leadership. And passion, passion can take you a long ways. Yeah, um, you can learn the job. So I would say passion and get a good education. Yeah. And finally, what is your favorite thing about Rancho Cordova? That's simple: the diversity. Yeah. I love the diversity and the people who live here, the foods that we can eat. Yeah. You can go to real Korean, real French, real whatever food you want in Rancho Cordova. But I love the people and the diversity and the fact that, um, you know, we all live together. We normally end the show there. That's normally the end of the show. But before we close, I wanted to just mention a couple of things. As I researched you for this show, there was, uh, there was something that kept coming up over and over again. And that's what people say about you. 
So I'm going to embarrass you, and I'm going to read you some <laughs> quotes that people have said, and a lot of them are very beautiful, touching quotes. And I'm just going to read you some of my favorites. There's three or four. So you know I'm going to cry because I'm a crier. You are well, good. Cry. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's cried on this podcast. I'll be the first. <laughs> so, longtime council member and current mayor Linda Budge said this: None of us have adequate words. This is when you retired. None of us have adequate words. We, meaning the people that work in the city, wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be where we are without you. That must be a great thing for someone to say when you're retiring, especially in public. And I believe she was the mayor. Vice Mayor David Sander said, "This city would not exist without Kurt Haven, and the tens of thousands of people who live in this city and have a better quality of life because of it have you to thank." <laughs> you can't get better than that. Tears, to be tears coming down. Yeah. To be a friend of Kurt's is a pressure is as precious as a rare jewel, because he is wonderful at it. If you are friends, he cares about you, your family, and what you are doing this weekend. He is a mountain of a man. I believe that Shelley Blanchard. <laughs> My favorite of all time in this, I I know it's Shelley Blanchard, but I read it, and that's when I said to myself, I want to have you here. This is my favorite. A bear hug from Kurt Haven can cure cancer, <laughs> and that's definitely attributed to Shelley Blanchard. I'm sure. And the last one. Kurt has lived a marvelous life, and all of us in Rancho Cordova have benefited from it. He's like the George Bailey from the movie It's a Wonderful Life, <laughs> and borrowing from that, we propose a toast to Kurt Haven, the richest man in town. And that again, I think, is from Cordova Community Council. So, Kurt Haven, I consider you the founding father of Rancho Cordova. We'll call you the founding uncle. <laughs> thank you so much for being here, and thank you for everything that you've done for the city of Rancho Cordova. Thank you, Charles. It's it's really been a pleasure. And thank you for being here. And that's all we have time for today. And <laughs> until next time. <laughs>